now, live, from space, the 200% podcast, with Football365 Ian King, and Edward Carter. Open wide for some soccer! Hello pod fans, and welcome to 200% podcast number 319. I know, right? 300... 319. 319. We, we've travelled the world in the seven seas with this opening feature, haven't we? We've done well. I mean, uh, we've done well, very well. Often, Luxembourg. Yeah, Luxembourg and the Northern <laughs> Premier League. But yeah. I'm, just, I'm just excited, I'm giddy with the idea that you have this week remembered to do one. So, I'm a, I'm a genius! Let's have it. Yeah, sure. This is Saturday the 29th of October, 2016. That was a bad day for me. Was it? Yes. Why? Well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to begin this podcast on a downer. But that was, that was the day that my mother died. Um, was it? It was. Was it that long ago? It was, yeah. But anyway, so... Oh, right. Okay, well, there we go. But 319 hardy souls turned out in tribute. Yeah. Um, not that far away, actually, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> National League South. Okay. Whitehawk 2, Margate 0. Do you know, somebody? I think somebody asked me whether or not I wanted to go to that game, and I thought about it, and then something came up, and I didn't... I doubt if it was me. No, well, it wasn't. No, and there was a. No, Dylan would have been like just over a year old. No, nah. there's no way that I was going to bloody football at that point. You see, no I, fucking way. Starts and beginnings. You see that the things that that at the beginning of life and the things at end of life are both things that would make any sensible person want to avoid going to White Hawk Football Club. That is true. Yeah. That and the possibility of getting headbutted in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always a possibility. It's never happened to me yet. I don't... Actually, no, it's all different there now. It has been for a few years, hasn't it? We were there um... once when it kicked off, weren't we? There's a team from Cleveland. Yeah, I think I've been there twice when it kicked off. Weren't you there when they kicked off? When it kicked off, when they were playing Truro City? No, I don't think I was there for that one. That was an FA Vars game as well. Yeah, that got a I bit spicy, did it? Yeah. All, all these people from Cornwall have been basically drinking since six o'clock in the morning and got a bit mouthy in the bar. <laughs> somebody got punched or hit by it. And then it all went off in the crowd in the second half as well. I think the referee had to stop play. I wish I'd gone to that. Yeah, that would have been... That, was, that wasn't that was long after, after we moved down here. It was the first time I went to White. I like the idea of uh, a group of... Cornish yokels getting yeah. in a coach at 6am and drinking their scrumpy and everything and yeah. feeling like they are the kings of the world by the time they roll up <laughs> to East Sussex only to find that they're in White Orc. Yeah, and things are different now
probably a disappointment. Well, yeah, especially, yeah. This isn't like the whole low brochures at all. Having, yeah, having driven through Cornwall and Devon and the Jurassic Coast of Dorset and all of that, I imagine yeah. that uh, things start to get a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. But there you go, 319. Do we need goal scorers? No, nah, I'm not too worried about you don't, it. You don't care? Oh, not, not on that day, no. <laughs> Oh, good, because I haven't got... Yeah, it's fair. You've got other things <laughs> I had, on your mind. I had other things. I had other things on my mind. Tell you what, same day, St Albans City beat Truro City 5-0. And I bet there was no trouble at all at the bar. I bet everyone was very... Well, I can't, I can't guarantee that. Yeah, I wouldn't, be, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be completely ruling that out myself, but there we go. One, one person who is very disappointed this week... <laughs> Is um, Mike Hinkle. Mike Hinkle is a lookalike sex dwarf who does anal antics for cash and appeared in the Sunday Sport, which is rapidly becoming Britain's most reputable news title. Damn goes our PG race. Under the the headline, Ollie Bummer Solskjaer. Uh, Mike Hinkle was a sex dwarf who realised that he had quite the resemblance to the Manchester United manager. I suspect this is a Photoshop job, personally, where they've taken Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's face and superimposed it on somebody's head. But Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, dwarf gigolo, is no more, thanks to his sacking from Manchester United. Yeah. Mike explained that he was mainly hired by female United fans who liked it up the arse. I... Look... (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> There's blokes that like being cuckolded by a lookalike sex dwarf. You're the one who's always going on about wanting to win a bloody award. Well, uh, my do you think? What do you? How close do you think you're going to get to one? To, with well, dep- bollocks like that. It depends what kind of award we're pitching for, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, well, for the most odious, cretinous pair of individuals to be currently walking the planet i mean look you know i'm happy to take uh take the uh, lion's share of the credit for finding mike hinkle oh are you now well i mean i say i didn't you know i didn't find him on only fans <laughs> it was just it was just on twitter i don't know i mean i get it but at the same time it's uh, <laughs> I did, just kind of it is a level of this... football discourse that this country, and actually, I don't think I don't think it's the lowest level of football discourse that we're going to discuss. It's a level of football discourse that is already being perfectly adequately covered everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, what by it, you know, in, in, you speak to, you're speaking to somebody who has to read all the tabloid newspapers. Yeah, well. Usually, at least once a week. I imagine that that, that that leaves you feeling fairly smutty. I've got a big pile of them on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I really need to do something with them. It's got a great big pile of them down by my the corner of my desk. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely a fire hazard. Yeah, I would have. I would have thought so. Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't feel it. I'm the same with lavatorial humour. <laughs> you know, I can kind of laugh with it if the joke is any good but if the joke isn't any good then the lavatorial part is completely just lost 
from me. You re- and I, I, you, I just don't. You really are missing out. I'm telling you now. I was saying to somebody the other day that I think it's possibly the most un-British thing about me. Oh yeah, I think that is pretty un-British. Yeah. It just sails over my head. Absolutely <laughs> clean over my head, and I and I'm like. I just imagined a turd sailing clean over your head. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did because you are an idiot. Well, I'm probably too far the other way. There is a right. There is a balance to be struck. I'm sure. This I'm podcast sure there is, is not the place to go if you want that balance to be struck. No, 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 no. We're all extremists these days. Although not speaking of extremists. I hope this is a better segue than your last We were going to talk... And and into a considerably better subject. We are going to be talking today about Manchester United's freshly appointed, on the day of recording, interim manager, Ralph Rangnick. Some call him Ralph Wangnick, or Rolf Southwick, or indeed Ralph Ranganickanick Basket. (laughs) <laughs> but um, he he is the uh, the solution to a problem that has arisen. For, you know, Man United is shit, and uh, they need somebody who's going to make them not be shit. Yeah, and this this is their answer, and it is. I think most people are agreed, particularly it seems people who are in the know, i.e., people who know more than me to be actually quite an intelligent move on Manchester United's part. It's interesting. That's the thing, you know. It's really interesting because Ralph Rangnick is an interesting fellow and he is the godfather of Gagan Press. Well, I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it said that he is, in fact, the intellectual progenitor of Gagan Pressing. The whole thing was his idea. Had a huge influence on Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp and, you know, any... any Well, yeah, Tommy Tickle. Tommy Tickle. Julian Nagelsmann. yeah. Yeah, so this is a huge appointment. But Manchester United is a football club with many moving parts. And many of those moving parts have been hopelessly dysfunctional uh, at some point or other over the last few years. And the whole process has just been falling flat on its face. Yeah. Can changing one person change all of that? It's happened in the past. It's failed in the past. Manchester United know that better than anyone else. But they've kind of swung so hard from Solskjaer 
to Rangnick, it's like, are you just doing this for the social media and engagement again? <laughs> it is. It is something of a, a a diversion, isn't it? Are you Are you just doing this to you know? Are you, are, are you like the jock in class who wears who's put on a pair of glasses to make themselves look clever? Is that is that what yeah. you're doing? It's because it's not I'm, even a fork in the road, really. It's more of a U-turn. It's a complete yeah. 180. So, whilst Ralph Rangnick is probably as good a choice as Manchester United could have hoped for, his appointment does raise further questions. Who's next? Because this is only supposed to be till the end of the season. Yes. Or... Are they playing a slightly different game to that? And is this consultancy position that they're talking about him having actually six months with an option to two years if the next six months goes well? Yeah. If it, if the next six months doesn't go well, you take the step up. Wasn't your fault. Beyond repair. New manager comes in at that point and it's clearing the deck. Well, and also that would be that that would be that would be the smart way of playing. Yeah, and uh, but, well, it'd be very smart because also it would have afforded Manchester United the opportunity to to sweep out the old, get rid of the old uh, structure that they've got, the sort of old-fashioned manager as demigod structure, yeah. and actually yeah. have more of a modern football structure with Ralph Ranganikanik basket up there doing his job in sort of... Uh, director of football development and so forth, which he's done very, very well over a number of years, particularly with the Red Bull group. So actually, it seems like it could be a master... If it works, this is a masterstroke. It's all about the if. Oh, yeah, obviously it's about the if. That much is obvious. But it's also about the how. Because just taking this slightly confused elderly German gentleman off in a helicopter from Moscow to Manchester and then just depositing him on the helipad at Old Trafford (laughs) doesn't solve or change anything much. So how is the question? How do you take a club that has had a transfer policy like Jackson Pollock's and make sense of that. How do you crowbar Penaldo in? Yeah, old Cronaldo. He's a problem. When he's 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 is he gonna be expected to press? Is everybody gonna be expected to press except for him? I mean, the one thing we know about Ragnik above and anything else is that he loves his assistant. Yeah, you know, as far as he's concerned, the football team is a moving, you know, a machine of moving parts. Well, you know, is he happy to have ten players plus an appendix? <laughs> you know, albeit an appendix that can finish very well from, you know, twelve yards. I, I, I don't know what the answer to those questions are, and that's what makes it interesting because I don't really think anybody can tell quite where this ends up. And the other thing that I've seen mentioned today is that Rangnick is not somebody who just takes any old job. No. 
you know. He has been linked with big clubs before and he has not gone. I seem to recall him being linked with the England job once. I think he I think he probably was. I think he might have been... Um, Free he, Big he, Sam, he, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, my, my other question there is, what have they offered him? Because he was in at Locomotive Moscow and basically kind of like, you know, in this overarching director of footballery kind of role, overseeing just getting the club to run together. And I, I was unaware that there were any problems there. So, you know, if we take it that all things are as they present themselves, what have they offered him to make him kind of tear up his contracts in Moscow? Because I, I doubt if he was just on a few bob. Well, no, I doubt You know? And it's not... And, and I'm certain it wouldn't just be about the money. I mean, well, I'm no, sure, I'm sure he's got I'm plenty sh- of money. Yeah, it's a consideration and players and managers and staff are perfectly entitled to make it their biggest consideration. I don't really have any particular issue with anyone in football doing doing it for the money, you know? Um, well, you want to plump up your pension fund by five million quid and someone's prepared to pay you that for two years' work? Be my fucking guest. Yeah, we're, we're back to Cronaldo not, again, aren't we? Yeah, well, you know, as long as it's not harming anyone, oh, then, 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 then push on, go ahead and do it. But yeah, I don't. What have they offered him? Are they going to completely sweep out the backroom staff, for example? Because he's he's only this, yeah, just over half a season. Well, or, yeah, this is true. is he going to have to? sit Michael Carrick and all the rest of them down in a classroom and teach them for a month first. I've got no well, idea. Yeah, this is this is one of the key issues because the kind of football that he wants to play, um, you know, to stay true to his Gagan pressing ideals that he has created, it's a very um high intensity way to play but it's also it's it's all encompassing i imagine that it requires a lot of training and thought and shadow play and diagrams you know the way that arrigo saki used to have his players walking around the field without a ball yeah so they, yeah. they would you know be able to tell where everybody is meant to be at all times i, mm. I can't you see i <laughs> I just can't see some of Manchester United players doing that, or without without getting lost or falling over. Well, they they haven't been doing it, evidently. That much we can be fairly certain of from the way they've been playing. It doesn't really make any sense for it not to be like that. It is. It's it's a big it's a big coaching job. And as you say, it might be a bigger coaching job than he anticipated if he's going to be stuck with the coaching staff that he's already got. This was all, always the, the always the way with Ferguson was that he surrounded himself with the best people, and that has sort of ebbed away in a yeah, really sort of I mean it, quite natural sort of autumnal way. It's just sort of 
everything's fallen by the wayside at its own pace. Well, no, because the, the problem is, the problem that Manchester United have had for so long is that not enough of it did fall away. Some of those old brown dead leaves were still hanging in the tree, Clinging. stopping new green ones from coming out underneath them. That's been part of the problem, has been this inability to move on from Ferguson and this ongoing belief that somehow um, managership is a cult of personality thing and that your next manager has to be there for 25 years and win the Premier League 10 times. it's, It's not enough to just be the Manchester United manager and just get on with it, you know. It's got this special hallowed status within the club. And that's been encouraged from outside as well because everyone goes on about how great Ferguson was and how great Matt Busby was. And it's fair because they were. I guess the difference is that most people who don't support Manchester United think it's kind of a mixture of good recruitment and blind dumb luck that they ended up with two such geniuses. Whereas Manchester United supporters think that there's, or, you know, have managed to persuade themselves to a point that there's something almost genetic about it. Yeah, ordained by which, God. Yeah, which which doesn't make as much sense as blind dumb luck coupled with two pieces of heroically good HR, you know. <laughs> I mean, Alex Ferguson was an obvious choice for a big club yeah. uh, in England looking for a new manager in 1986. And it nearly, of course, nearly didn't work out. Nearly, nearly, nearly. Yeah. I mean, he'd won a European trophy already. He'd won the fucking Scottish League with Aberdeen. Yep. He got Scotland... Um, into the World Cup, through the World Cup finals, this horrendous time after Jock Steen died, and put in a creditable show. Yeah. You know, this wasn't some massive underdog game they were playing. No. They had the pick of the bunch, and Ferguson was damn close to the top of the pick of the bunch, because if you think about it, who, who were the biggest other managers at the time? Well... Howard, Howard Kendall and Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, they, they were going to have difficulty getting either of those. Could you imagine either of those two going to Manchester United? I just find it very strange that that this is kind of talked about in any sense other than it's a very big, successful football club taking a bit of a leap into the dark, but not that much if you consider that he'd already won a National League Championship with an underdog. And a European trophy. This is true. And actually, in that regard, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has got a better record than Ralph Rangnick. Because Ralph Rangnick's never won a league title. He's won plenty of uh, promotions. He's he's built two teams up from the regional leagues in Germany and taken them to the Bundesliga. Famously, Hoffenheim. But also Ulm. But this is this is now a different job. Yeah, Manchester United are so such a different culture to anywhere that he's been before. How does he react to that? What if he doesn't like it? How does the club react to having somebody who just sees it differently to anybody else they've had there? 
like I say, it's interesting all ends up and it and it and the thing is that all the attention is good for the social media. Yeah. All that shit bumps up the share price on the New York Stock Exchange. You know? This is like when they signed Cristiano Ronaldo. They 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 put on seven point seven percent in one day. <laughs> and uh and the stock exchange, it was something like three hundred million pounds or three hundred million euros or three hundred million dollars or something. Some people got very, very rich off that. And so if they can make an optimistic signing that has everybody going, oh, actually, that's pretty good. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to the Manchester United stock price over the last couple of days, but I doubt if it's gone down. We speak about goal scorers or whatever position you are, you bring your own input to the game. But it's a team game. So you think it's a mistake signing Ronaldo? But Ronaldo was never oh. going to get Man United back winning league titles. What was the point in signing him? To come back and win trophies. Did you win the FA Cup? Did you win the FA Cup? Did you win the FA Cup? Yeah, to come back to win the FA Cup and get the Champions League. They've got in the next. They've got in the next round of Champions League. How much do you think that's worth to the club? If you're looking at the business side of it, the glaze, your share price. That's what he's come back for. I said that if you finish Ronaldo's not going to be If you finish second, he's not good. There was an interesting and increasingly high-pitched debate this weekend pertaining to the situation at Manchester United between Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher. I wrote about that. It's not the most edifying thing I've ever read, the transcripts of, of the thing. I then watched it and wish I'd just stuck to reading the transcript, if I'm honest. There's just absolute madness, isn't there? Nobody knows... Everyone's just throwing out everything. If you're worried about share prices, this then, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's the man. If you're worried about winning the FA Cup, Cristiano Ronaldo's the man. Okay, but we're not talking about an FA Cup match, are we? We're talking about a league (laughs) match. Now, to be fair, Manchester United did very well in not getting humped because that's happened before. Well, I have to say that Chelsea were off colour. Yeah. You could see where the potential problems with them are. And it's interesting because all of the teams, practically, have been like this to some extent. You know, Manchester City, they have their little stutter against Crystal Palace. Yeah. And, you know, Manchester United have been Manchester United in it. And Arsenal had their really bad start and then their well was it was it a really great run or was it actually something else and then they fell to bits at Liverpool. So there's all this kind of like, you know, everybody's still a bit flawed. Everybody's not quite perfect. And Chelsea had a real off day. Yeah. Yesterday. Man- Manchester United weren't good value for the point, I have <laughs> no. to say. Well. I think Chelsea had twenty three shots on goal. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United had their first corner with about 15 minutes to go, by which time Chelsea had had 25 of them or something. But the big the big debate afterwards boils down to Ronaldo and the fact that he was left out of the squad. Now, mm. this is anticipated to maybe, you know, become something of a big story because Ralph Rangnick... And Cristiano Ronaldo seem to be on a collision course due to one's strong desire for 
high impact, high energy teamwork and one's desire to, you know... Stand around picking his nose and then do a goal. That seems to be... The, that That's the divide that we're dealing with. And I think Roy Keane went into bat saying, we, you, you can't sign a player of that ilk and then not play yeah. them in big matches. And yeah. I think Jamie Carragher took the very reasonable point that you can if they're shit... <laughs> Yeah, I mean the thing is that, like as I said when we were talking about uh, Rangnick, he's got a system, and is he going to try and accommodate Ronaldo within that system? And I can see both sides of that argument, and I'm not sure which one I fall down on as being the right side. I think it's actually possible for both of these things to be true at the same time. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That on the one hand, Cristiano Ronaldo is so fucking famous that maybe he does have to play in every minute of every game if he wants to. He's like one of the two or three football players who could make that a reasonable demand. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. if it yeah. if it's possible for that to be a reasonable demand, and then you know that's a almost a philosophical question, isn't it? It's is is, is that is that fair and reasonable? Uh, but then on the other hand, yeah, if he's playing shit, or, or if he doesn't fit the system, a, you know, are goals enough to justify a man who doesn't usually break his tactical system, breaking his tactical system? And that is, you know, it's funny, actually, because you had... Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher having that argument on Sky and what they were actually doing was having the internal contradictory argument that Manchester United now has to have with itself. Yeah. And maybe it will work, maybe it won't. The chances are it will because money works and optimism works and uh, a new broom works. Well, yeah, and of course goals work. And if Cristiano Ronaldo keeps scoring goals, then... Yeah. Well, it is worth pointing out that he's only scored two in the Premier League this season. Yeah. I mean, he scored, I think, five in the Champions League. Well, they bought him to win cups, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, Roy... And the thing is, because they can't acknowledge that both of these things are... At a point at which it's impossible to know which one of those two is the better outcome. And actually to a point it will leave, you know, even by the time that one the one that gets followed is cut and dried, it might even then be impossible to tell whether it was a better idea than the alternative or not. One argument... Because, you know, we don't have parallel universes. That is true. But, I mean, I, I, I guess the, the, the point is that we're so addicted to this idea that you have to have a partisan definite argument to make that you end up backed into a corner in the way that Roy Keane was 
after the Chelsea versus Manchester well, United. Well, it was interesting to see Roy Prawn Sandwiches keen all of a sudden defending Cristiano Ronaldo's purchase as a you know a stock price issue. Well, I don't know whether he's necessarily approving of that. Possibly you not. No, I, I, I can't imagine that Roy Keane would be a big fan of gazillionaires. I can't. One of, one of his arguments. Like one of his arguments was that he played with players during his time at Manchester United, where compromises need to be made. He gave the example of Eric Cantona. Mm. But I mean, the game has changed a lot since then. Well, it it has, and but also Eric Cantona did was... like to get stuck in. <laughs> That's not. But I mean, you know, this is another uh, another of these kind of contradictions to which there might be no answer, which is that Alex Ferguson didn't really do tactics. No, you know, he he wasn't. I don't know what he made of the first flowering of the analytics industry within the game. And I, I doubt if he would have guessed. I imagine that, it, that he said he growled something dismissive and rude. Yeah. You, 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 you kind of think, although, you know, he could be modern looking in his own way. But the thing is that Manchester United in the mid 1990s, well, they had this kind of tactical system, but it wasn't anything like as rigid. Yeah. As tactical systems are now, because tactics generally weren't as rigid as they well, are I think, now. Yeah. That's why that's why games look so. Ferguson much uh, was not. He was he was flexible. He wasn't inflexible. He was tactically mm. flexible, but he wasn't uh, an intellectual. No, he was. He wasn't tactical. tactical you know, he wasn't a tactics master. In Germany, yeah. Ralph Rangnick is known as the professor because yeah, he used exactly. to do TV exactly. appearances. And was so scholarly in his analysis of tactics that they initially yeah. sort of uh, gave him this rather low-key nickname. But yeah. as it turned out that he knew what he was talking about, of course, it stuck more and more. Well, yeah, you you look at the, the current Manchester United team and you're starting to think to yourself, well, who's going to be smart enough to absorb all of this then? And to get the best out of it. Well, you know, Harry Maguire's got a big head, so presumably there's a lot of room in that brain of his. Well, I'd always assumed that his it was mostly bone, mostly sinus and bone, very thick skull. Okay, but you know, I I don't think I I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and dwell upon how intelligent or otherwise I think each of Manchester United's players are. But what I am saying is that in order to get the best out of Ralph, Ralph Ragnick, it becomes more difficult to say the more you say it. Doesn't That's it? why I'm sticking to Rolf Southwick. Yeah. <laughs> so the point being that because he has these systems and structures and what have you, the idea that you can just parachute him into a football club and those will be the right players for his system seems to me to be vanishingly unlikely. Well, yeah, especially when they have looked so ardently clueless. Soporific. All I mean, the thing is... Particularly in defence. They are professionals, and you would like to think that if they've been undercoached for the last, you know, up to three years, 
then they might actually welcome. Well, it, um, it's possible. Because, I mean, this is something that I was thinking about, actually, um, a couple of, uh, uh, that I've actually been thinking on and off for the last couple of weeks, which is that I know that their opposition was fairly modest, but none of those England players who've been playing so catastrophically in the Premier League have been replicating anything like that sort of form for the national team. No. Harry Kane, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire. I could probably keep going on because there's been quite a few. You know, the rest have been injured. Yeah. So, are you... I mean, is the the, the point there that England have a coaching structure and a method that is de-skilled enough to be able to, you know, get everybody no, I doing don't necessi- it. No, I don't necessarily think it is de What you're talking about there is de-skilled. I think that it's... But I think that football is much, much more than about anything that can necessarily be jotted down by a coach. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a very strong chance that... The England setup is a setup that makes these players play above themselves. And I think that there is a possibility that at times the club setups are setups that make them play below themselves. Because how do you take the Harry Maguire, who was excellent against some of Europe's best in the summer? And then just turn him into a lump of plywood with an oversized face drawn on it. He's wearing a Harry Maguire mask of his own face. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And like I say, you know, the, 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 this 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 feeds right the way through this whole Rangnick thing, and 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 I don't say that with any feeling of anger about the fact that I don't know, you know. Uh, I'm really looking forward to finding out. I think it's going to be really interesting come what may. I think there's a chance that he could tear this up. Well, I can't, you know, they've got really, they've got really good players and he, you know, what if he got them in the mix again? What if he managed to get that gap closed? I I hope that he puts an arm around Scott McTominay. And turns him into Graham Souness. What? 63-year-old Scott. Yeah. And turns him into a, the, the great Roy Keane-esque leader on the field. Who is his proxy, his lieutenant. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because I think that... Firstly, because I think that military analogies are shit. But also because I think that as football becomes more scientific and analytical in its outlook, those ideas that heart and passion um, are much use is starting to feel increasingly antiquated to me. I mean, I do think that it matters that they try, you know. That always helps. And this is, this is, I saw somebody say that isn't, you know the other the other week um isn't high pressing basically just 
proper football man stuff wrapped up in fancy language. It's saying run. They're saying run around a lot. It does seem to be, you know, run around a lot and get the ball back when you lose it. Yeah, but it's you know it's more scientific than that, isn't it? Well, it possibly. It's about it, it's about the movement of the individual players off each other. It's with and without the ball. Oh yeah, all of that. Um, there's a whole there's a whole system to it. But but I did think to myself at the time. Mm, I'll tell you what, there are, I've come across too many people who are too certain of what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> because I think this one is too unpredictable to call. Yeah, I, per- I mean, I'm like you. I personally hope that it turns out to be a good appointment because actually yeah. we've got a good league, a good league yeah. title fight this year. Mm. And a reinvigorated Manchester United throwing a few grenades in from the outside will make it even yeah. more interesting. And also there's the broader the broader social point that I'm pleased and excited to see anyone who comes from another country flourishing in England. Because, you know, fuck English people. See, the thing is that there is also the possibility that it could backfire completely. Paul Merson. Why do they need an interim manager? Because <clears throat> they don't know what they're doing at the moment. In my opinion, I think you know. I think Oli would have been at, would have been at the club still today if it probably wasn't for two goals in the last minute against Watford. I mean, for me to bring in a manager, and I know I'm, I'm hearing great words. I'm hearing people going, "How great he is! How great!" He's never managed in England. Never managed one of the top teams in the world. You know why is that? I, you know, that's what I want to know. Why, why is no one else coming for him when, when, when managers have been up? You know, and and that's that's why that's what I always look at. You know, I hear great things about him. He's saying he's going to press and he's hard work and he's turned lesser teams into real, real contenders. That's a lot different. That's a lot different getting a Schalke or a Hoffenheim, mm. someone like that, and getting them to a certain stage. Mm. When you're asked to go to one of the biggest clubs in the world. And they've already got superstars already and you've got to make them play. It's all right at Schalke and Hoffenheim because they're going to listen and they want to get there. These players are there and you've got to get them to go again. One view of Ralph Rangnick that has predictably arisen is the good old-fashioned English jingoistic view, which is a view espoused mainly by idiots. One such amongst these idiots, is the former England football player, Paul Merson, who, speaking to Sky News at the weekend, or Sky Sports, if you must, said he is not convinced by Ralph Rangnick. He's never managed at a top team. He's never managed England. He's never managed a top team anywhere in the world. And, okay. and you know, why is that? And that, for me is the English mindset. And it is the English mindset that has festooned this land for so long and has now led us down avenues that it's going to take us decades to no, dig I us. Think I, 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 do. I mean, he might not have expressed himself particularly articulately. And I'm not sure that I agree with both points. But I think they're both fair questions to ask. So before you kick off, <laughs> I no, I do actually. Let me at least elucidate. On I do that agree. I do agree that actually, he's not making an unreasonable point. 
but well, I think that I mean we've already done the big clubs thing, yeah, and that's that's fair. Now I think that the hasn't managed in England thing is shakier, but I do also think that you know you can you don't have to be thinking oh well he's never had proper roast beef in his life. Well, we all know we all know he has. When you think that it is perfectly possible to to think that well different leagues and different cultures can take time to acclimatise to. There's no denying if you've that. Never, if you've never lived there before, if you've never worked in this culture before, you know, to make a completely seamless transition isn't necessarily easy. And football clubs spend a lot of money on um, these these people who are like, you know, who help the players with it. They essentially have like a whole bunch of like... Um, PAs and all the rest of it to help them do it. So, you know, I don't know whether that was the slightly nuanced point that Paul Merson was trying to make. And I'm not necessarily certain that it is what he meant. But I do see merits to both of those arguments. Uh, Yeah, it is true. Should Ralph Rangnick not be the answer the panacea to all of Manchester United's problems, then, you know, he's he's got a point. What I dislike is this knee-jerk response. And it's not just Paul Merson. You get it all the oh, time. Yeah, but I mean, you, that, that's just the culture in this country. Well, it's, it's sickeningly patronising. It is sickening. It's, yeah, it's, I'll, give you, I'll give you that. It's, that's the way people speak. In this country now, it has been for years. It, but I think you know? I think the fact that it was Paul Merson stuck particularly in my craw, because you've got this, this small-minded, jingoistic viewpoint, which is the impossibility in his mind, in his tiny, tiny mind, that somebody could come from outside of the UK who, you know, wasn't one of our quotation marks our foreigners. So not somebody that is known very well, that they could come over here and conquer the finest league in the world, the English Premier League, a league which it is worth pointing out hasn't been won by an English manager in 29 years or a British manager in eight years. But Snow, still, unless it's one of our foreigners, well, who's this Johnny come lately? And the thing that sticks in my craw about that, when, and it, Paul Merson saying it, is because Arsene Wenger had really not an awful lot more to to his bow than Ralph Rangnick's got now when he arrived at Arsenal. Now, he, he well, did exactly, have a domestic is... title. And, of course, the way that Paul Merson rose to the challenge of Arsene Wenger is to leave Arsenal to sign for a team who'd just been relegated to the second tier, who had offered to pay him more money that he could spunk up the wall in Labrooks. Yeah, well, then, you know, then that's his damn fool mistake. But it's not like he doesn't know what Arsene Wenger did achieve at Arsenal without him there. You know, you know it would be a bit kind of crazy to presume otherwise. Well, yeah. The tone is very much the tone of... You know, the surly English, well, you know, how are they going to come over here and deal with this fucking foreigners coming over? Unless, of course, it's one of our foreigners. 
inverted commas, our foreigner. But it's just, it's this closed-mindedness. You know, no... Well, yeah, this will be I interesting. Mean, I, think, yeah, I don't know. He's, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's a man of, of the world and man of different things. This will be interesting to see his ideas. But you don't get that. You get... Well, yeah, but footballers don't have to be smart. Well, no. Clearly you not. Know, footballers, don't have to, uh, footballers don't have to be smart. It, it actually doesn't really impact them one way or the other. You know, they you can be... It helps... Certainly it helps, you know, some of the very, very, most of the very, very best footballers, none of those were completely stupid in every single way. But it's not a prerequisite. Well, he certainly, you know, he's uh, generated a lot of clicks and angst, which is all that really matters nowadays in the media, isn't it? It's engagement. If you can make people engaged, and I've been certainly been feeling pretty engaged with this, just this petty, petty-mindedness. And as I say, it isn't just Paul Merson. I've seen Harry Redknapp, big surprise, saying the same sort of things. Well, who's, who's this? Who's this coming over here? Well, why don't we find out? You know, I'm just surprised that we've, we've it's five and a half years since the Brexit vote. And you're still surprised that these people exist. I am not surprised <laughs> they exist. I am infuriated that they still exist, especially when you consider that, that, that many of them have taken the anti-vax position on COVID. I would have thought they would all be dead by now. So much for this killer disease. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't it's know. a very uncharitable know. view. It is. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Get vaccinated, um... folks. It's great. <laughs> no, but I mean, no. What's great is that these people will eventually be pleased because the you know these embittered nimby peons who don't think that anybody from outside the UK, apart from, you know, one of our foreigners, could possibly master the incredible intricacies of the English League, are going to get their way because the Premier League will just shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink down, as he's witnessed by the fact that it's taken Ralph Rangnick a week to get a fucking work permit. He was only born in Germany. He was born in a town in Germany that's twinned with Chelmsford. And it's taken a week to get him a work permit. Well, you know, enjoy enjoy the Premier League slowly shriveling up before your eyes. And of course, who will they then blame for that? Well, we can only but guess. Oh, Christ, all right. Edward hashtag FPBE <laughs> The difference with me is I don't follow back. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be no one follows me too, and i don't follow them too busy too busy hanging around outside parliament in your eu flag bow tie yeah shouting at strangers but no just a bit of open-mindedness towards people who are coming to this country be it in a helicopter or let's say a fucking rubber dinghy I feel as though I should go away and listen to Paul Merson's comments and then come back to you on my exact opinions on people who draw cheap caricatures. 
say what, to make a pseudo political point. You can say what you like about me. At least I'm from this fucking country. <laughs> no, you're barely. Well, I have been accused of. Uh, I've been you, accused. You're, you're at least part Welsh. I'm very. Welsh? I'm one sixty fourth Welsh. But one sixty fourth Welsh. Welsh. No, you see, I'm. I'm. I'm hundred percent English. Yeah. Oh, you're right. So yeah. I'm going to get as far as I as far as I know. I'm a I'm a son of the valleys. Oh, in this podcast. Well, yeah, one sixty four, the son of the valleys. And that's why I, that's why I killed him, officer. Well, that's good enough for me. Oh dear, dear, dear me! What a palaver! Yeah, it is though, isn't it? It is. I it's mean, a the, whole, the whole thing. It's a series of tempests in teacups. He hasn't even... I mean, he's only barely just arrived. I don't know. Yeah. He probably sat in a Premier Inn in Manchester now, going, what the fucking hell has happened in my life for these last two weeks? Sympathy for Rafe Wingnut. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he's a good man. Former Southwick football club player. They are yes. they're my local... Team, the geographically the team nearest to me, and as such, well, I suppose they are, aren't they? and as such, I am sure that he'll be bringing Man United back for a friendly. Didn't get to that fucking story first, though, did you? Thing is, I I knew about that. I know about that for quite a while. I knew, I knew that he'd played for Southwick. I didn't know yeah. that he was. Uh, it had been so well documented. Yeah, no, I'd seen the programme, I think, and this was like quite a few months ago. I was also very heartened to see that he donated £1,000 towards getting them back into their home Apparently ground. so, yeah. So, Good man. fair play. Yeah. Although, you know, given yeah. the fact he's just been appointed by Manchester United, maybe he could dip, dip his yeah. hand in his pocket again. Yeah, yeah. another fifth. Fucking hell, Ralph. <laughs> You could, you could have fooled it. You'd have got a signing on fee. That's true. There we go. Are we done? AOB? There is AOB oh, because Christ. this weekend saw is the return there? of the legend, Jamie Vardy. Oh, he's got scoring twice, corner. So he? I'm here to tell you that Jamie Vardy has had his Christmas tree up since September the 5th. Our Christmas tree's up. It's too, yeah, it's too early. Yeah, I, I know that. Anyway, yeah, and also, Jamie Vardy hasn't yet definitively picked a side to fight for in the culture wars. So there you go. That's our two Jamie Vardy facts. I don't know, really, actually, anything about Jamie Vardy. Don't know anything about him. Well, you know two things. (laughs) Well, not what, both, neither of which are remotely true. What do we actually know? He plays for Leicester. He used to play for... um, Fleetwood Town. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know all this. He played and yeah, and stopped. He's got a big chin. Steals quite, quite a. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's he's that's good. all right. That's, good at that's it. That's what I've got. Very, very quick to score yeah. lots of goals. No, but, but, but I, I don't know. Will I be disappointed if you met him? Probably, possibly. Yeah. Although actually, he know. does seem he, he does seem to have quite a robust and far-reaching sense of humour that I've enjoyed on a number of occasions. Yeah, I think... It's, yeah. I suppose it, whether yeah. or not he does any, like, poo jokes. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Or, Do we you know, to? just quotes large scenes from One Foot in the Grave, which, I yeah. mean, I wouldn't believe it. Well, I, don't, I don't believe it. <sighs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, that's right. Yeah, we're definitely, Are we definitely done. done. Well definitely done, definitely finally fucking done. But I was, I thought, I thought we were going to do bad computer. Games. Well, we can do, we can do that. We can do we're that, doing next that next week. week if you we'll like. do that next week because I had a suggestion for one from somebody because I mentioned it on Twitter because I thought we were doing it. Turns out we weren't. Well, many apologies. It is. Be next it will week. be next week. And to be fair, you have been putting in the hard yards with that one, so you know you've got some experience. You, you should, you should. Go there, do it, download it. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, you'll hate it. You can, you know, you can always delete it. That's true. We'll come back to that next week. Yes. So let's everyone calm down. Yeah. Good. Everybody take good it. Good luck. Everybody. T- good luck everybody to Ralph Rangnick. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> and well done, well done to Roy Keane and Paul Merson. You've both done your jobs very well. This week, well, the, the Paul Merson, I presume he got a lot of engagement yeah. on social media, even if it was people calling him a cunt. <laughs> Roy Keane, I mean, the I looked at it this morning that video, and it had done one point three million views. Not bad, which is probably more than there were households watching the Chelsea versus oh, Manchester would, United yeah, game so. yesterday. Yeah. You know, so I'm not. I'm not saying that that's worth more to Sky than a high TV audience. That is not, nothing like that at all, obviously. But um, what I am saying is that it's it's valuable. It's a brave new world, isn't it? Football. Uh, what is and isn't valuable in football terms? It takes almost all your time <laughs> to keep up with it. I mean, it's my job now, and mm, it's a I mean, I thought, actually, task. actually, I think I'm doing all right. Well, I mean, your hair hasn't all fallen out yet. Not, not so. Quite. I mean, that's an occupational hazard of the football game, as we all know. Yeah, but no, no. I've just got, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get, I'm, I'm getting there. I was out of practice with the Premier League. You know, it's been bracing at times. Well, there you go. Right, we done. All done. Excellent. Uh, you can find me on social medias at TWOHT on Twitter. Uh, and you can find him at 200%pod. That's right. Yes, finally got it right. There you go. <laughs> we'll be back again same time next week. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>